0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: I was really pleased with the way we settled so quickly. It's uh, some young players, some inexperienced international players, big occasion, not only a tough opponent, but a big occasion, sweltering hot day. Um, every reason to potentially look nervous at the start, but they didn't. You know, With and without the ball, they were composed, um, carried out, you know what what we wanted to do in terms of pressing brilliantly and um, yeah although it was always going to be a game of of few clear chances I thought we looked the the bigger threat throughout really. I thought he looked a a threat the whole day I'm delighted for him because it's obviously quite a few tournament matches without scoring ahead of today's game but he looked a threat right from the start I think it was a throw-in you know he got in on a throw-in and uh, for Phil's chance that hit the post, and that that sort of set the tone for his day, I thought, today.
2: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Gareth
3: Southgate speaking after England opened up their Group D account with a 1-0 win over Croatia. Into day four we go of the rescheduled Euro 2020. So much to talk about. Here to help me look back on the past three days of action, we have Cam Ruslan. Hello, Cam. Hey Ross, nice to have you, uh, Arvin Sidhu, all Leeds
4: United, Yorkshire, loud and proud here. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. First time ever in Europe, the team lost, but they were winners at the end of the day. Well done to the entire Danish team.
3: And here to tell us how Scotland will actually win the tournament, Craig Wilkie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's know. Sorry, I built you up a bit too much, sir. <laughs> <so, Craig. laughs> Let's
5: see how it goes. huh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at BFM Radio. Find us individually on Twitter. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Coming up, we're going to obviously talk a lot about the Euros. Uh, we'll try and squeeze in some Copa America for you, as well as preview Thailand against Malaysia. That's Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and that is massive. First, though, Gareth Southgate praising Raheem Sterling, Sterling scoring the only goal of the game. Um, actually, put in quite a good shift. England won. Croatia nil. Kam Razzland, your initial thoughts on the win?
0: Well, one 0 is the football purist's perfect uh, win line. By and and I was impressed actually. I mean, they weren't thrilling, but you kind of felt like uh, they were sticking to a very sensible plan. The defensive line just never seemed to move. Never seemed to really get involved. Um, But it was uh, you feel like they've got extra gears that they can can still go through new dimensions that they can still go through. But they were starting off in a very solid, sensible way, not going crazy and getting the one nil. Uh, I I thought I personally thought that Raheem Sterling was, I don't know, it was a bit bit misfiring and people on Twitter were were screaming, get him off. But. a bit harsh. I
3: actually thought that was his best performance in it, yeah. in, in any form uh, for for the last year, probably. Uh, so yeah, harsh. The the crowd on Twitter is harsh, Cam.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, great. Um, Gareth Southgate made some big calls, Arvin, and and actually Twitter was already blowing up because the the team sheet had had been leaked. Everybody knew a right back was starting. As as, uh, in the left back position. And then there's a double pivot in midfield. Was it too defensive, etc, etc. But the standout performer was the Yorkshire Perlow. Calvin Phillips, he top, top, top performance, wasn't it?
4: it's an incredible turnaround for a man who probably three seasons ago might not have had a future with Leeds it all turned around when Bielsa came he played a slightly different role with England compared to how he plays with Leeds Leeds is a little bit more at the back he he drops in to make a three-man central defense at times this one when 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 I saw the lineup and there was obviously a lot of people were clamoring for Jack Grealish to come in for Sterling and then obviously Trippier playing in the position which you don't think he'd be playing but the thing is, Gareth Southgate is always at a soft spot for Kieran Trippier, with Phillips and Declan Rice. Yes, I agree with you. Everyone thought it's going to be a double pivot, or oh, no, Southgate's going to be a bit safe. But the moment the game started, you saw a very different way to how Calvin Phillips plays for Leeds. He was the one bombing forward. He was the one pressing up high, higher the field. He was the one winning the balls, winning the free kicks, and then that assist at the end for the Sterling goal. I mean, that was such a piece of beauty. So I think I think Gareth got it right on the day. Uh, the players played played their part. The only one that was slightly disappointing was Harry Kane. Probably yeah. took him out because yeah, probably took him out because being a Spurs player, they don't want him to bottle the score and then something might happen. So that's the reason why probably Harry Kane got taken out. But other than that, uh, guys, I'll be happy. I thought they 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 were good value for for the win. They they
3: were good value for the win. And if I'm being critical, I, yeah, I understand Trippier starting on the left, more defensive cover, etc. But for me, always I'm a purist. You get a left-footer playing left back. And you've got, come on, you've got Luke Shaw, you've got you've got Ben Chilwell, even Bukayo Saka, either one of them, and they're all very, very good players. And central midfield, for me, Henderson and Phillips. I like to see that. That that would be quite dynamic for England, I think. All right, let's get a Croatia point of view from a Scotsman because he's married to a Croatian. Yeah, he can only have a Croatian point of view of the game. my initial reaction, Craig Wilkie, this is an aged Croatian side. And, but but you saw how the game lulled after a while, and, and that was because Croatia had quality in that midfield. Uh, they, they slowed it down they, they totally, uh, and that's what they can do. But they're lacking something, though, aren't they?
5: Yeah, well, that little spell of the game that you referred to was exactly the type of game that Croatia needed it to be. They needed that midfield three, your Modric, your Brozovic and uh, Kovacic to get on the ball and just, just contain it and, and not let England spring forward in, in the way that they were. But the problem was that Croatia only managed that for about 10 or 15 minutes before halftime. That was the only real phase in the game where they looked as though they got a foothold. Even then, didn't really create anything. They managed to get a little bit of territorial possession, one or two things in and around the box. But I mean, I wonder when Pickford last had an easier game than that. That, that, that was the real issue. And I think England's back four were there to be got at a little bit. Honestly, I, I don't think individually there's any issue with those players, but I agree with you. I, I, I didn't understand at all the, the logic of playing Trippier at, at left-back. It can't be just uh, for
3: set pieces. That, that's just a ridiculous I, reason.
5: Exactly. And to be honest, Walker didn't have a very good game at right-back. So no. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Trippier sw- switch to his natural position and then maybe you do bring in either Chilwell or Shaw. England in the next game but Croatia as you mentioned just didn't really turn up that was that was the biggest disappointment for such a huge game such a huge occasion for Croatia to get anything out of that match they needed all of those players to put in an eight out of ten sort of performance and and And
3: go go go, go on Um, your missus is not listening I I promise you Um, (laughs) from a Scottish point of view you're quietly quite pleased because Scotland never chance against Croatia well,
5: if they play like that, then Scotland definitely do have a chance. And as I was saying, they, Croatia came with a sort of 6 out of 10 performance. And and that was the real disappointment from their point of view. And from a Scottish perspective, and I know we'll talk about Scotland a little bit more later on, we'd be looking at that. I'm sure Stevie Clark and the boys were watching that and thinking, hmm, OK, we can we can go there and, and have a go. And just, they, they looked shaky. I thought the, the goalkeeper, he had a couple of good saves, but... It's a big step up from playing for Dinamo Zagreb. You know, he yeah. didn't he didn't look very confident and Modric Modric does what he does. You know, he had a he had a decent enough game, but you can see that he doesn't have quite the same quality around him to inspire as maybe he did few years and, ago when he Cup. was forced so.
3: too deep for most of the game. You don't want Modric yeah. so deep really. Yeah.
5: So, so that was interesting. He started off very high up the field. Yeah. It was actually maybe a, a slight tactical change that uh, Dalic had made because Modric began his career playing like that as, as almost That's a number, a number 10.
3: 10.
5: Yeah, yeah, Playing playing just off the front. And gradually throughout his career, he sort of moved back into the, almost a Pirlo role, dare we say. you know, A deep-lying playmaker. But in the end, I think partly tactically he went back, but partly just because he had to try and influence the game. He wasn't going to get on the ball if he was just going to stand up alongside Rebic. So he had to go and try and win something, but now Kre- Croatia just weren't there on the day. So comfortable win for England. But honestly, I, I wasn't for me, it wasn't a statement win for England. No. I wouldn't be getting too carried away just yet as, yeah. in terms of an England performance. But did more than enough to win the game, more than enough.
3: Yeah, yeah, Gareth Southgate would have thought long and hard for a long time about that starting eleven, how he was going to play and all that. But I'll say this. I'll say this about this young England squad. Um, this is by far the most likable squad of England players for as long as I can remember, maybe even ever, and and you can't see this, but all the guys are nodding. Even the Scottish guy nodded a little bit.
5: <laughs> yeah, don't right. don't say that. I'll never be allowed to go
3: home. <laughs> I'm honest. This is all right. Um, uh, let's move on then. Uh, Group A, obviously, Turkey, Italy got the tournament underway. Not before, not before Andrea but Bo- Bocelli just absolutely blew us away with Nessun Dorma cameras line
0: um yeah it's it's a nice tune isn't it and it's uh, it's the football anthem um but for me uh if we can get to the football ross and the little tiny car with the foot with the ball that was very cute as well the uh
3: they cute i say silly
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> i i mean you know italy was so impressive and I, I, i'm sorry
3: before before you get into that i like the way yeah. uh edge uh, socially distanced himself from bono i thought that was clever
0: <laughs> uh yeah yeah uh, representing ireland the, the country that's not there of course the, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah the, the uh,
3: italians they look good they look good
0: but i would say w- w- a caveat for italy and we're going to talk about belgium later also for belgium that the first goal was an own goal and in the case of belgium it was just a complete mix-up when you're a goal down against italy uh, y- your heart must just sink you just got to crash And uh, it's so hard to come back. And it it was just, um, I mean, you make your own luck, but it was... uh a really tragic start. I don't think Turkey are that bad. They they didn't they didn't they only let in three goals in the whole of their qualifying.
3: But but they were mm-hmm. bad in this game because we've seen Turkey. We we know but I mean they they miss Hakan Shuk- uh, Hakan Shuk- uh, no um the Çenk Tosun Hakan is Shuk- uh, long retired.
0: Yeah, but Italy. <laughs> I think he's made, it, they it him now if
3: I'm not mistaken. No,
0: but this Italy will make you look bad. Uh, and they were sure. relentless. And they kept going forward which to me was a surprising Italy to see. I mean they they put they got a goal. And they didn't close shop. They kept going. So uh, a tweet. scary.
3: Yeah, a tweet made me laugh about the Italian side. A uh, tweet said, this is the least attractive Italian squad since the beginning of time. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, that's from a, a girl perspective. But for me, similar to England, I think this is the most likable squad <laughs> of Italians. You. <laughs> Thank you, Kev. <Cam. laughs> but, I mean, Ar- Arvin,
4: uh, were you impressed by Italy? And they have been impressive for a long time under Roberto Mancini right now. I mean, this is their they've undefeated, I think, 39 games. They haven't lost since October 2020. So um, know since September 2018. So they haven't lost for a long time. They boss possession, but they also still go for, they go for more. And that's very unlike how the old yeah. Italians catenaccio teams, right? They boss possession so much that I actually think. The, the mobile car probably had more possession than Turkey on the night. That's how bad it was for Turkey. I, I believe they just the car did have more <laughs> possession. They just, they, just, they just couldn't get the ball. Uh, but again, even if they go for the goal strike, right, they go for that extra. They don't just settle for the one nil At the end, when you see Giorgio Cellini making a clearance from Burak Yilmaz and celebrating like he, like he personally scored the goal you still know that defending means so much to them. Yeah. So they've got a very good balance with Mancini and some of the players on the night. I mean, Domenico Berardi came in instead of Chiesa and he was just bombing things down on the right. Nicola Barella, for me, is Italy's most active player. Literally yeah. everything goes through him. He controlled Hakan Choranluku on the night. And Spinozola, I mean, on the night itself, <laughs> he, he he was almost playing like an extra winger at times because yeah. he wasn't in his position. He was just up front. So the good Mancini has really refreshed this Italian squad and they go into the tournament. A lot of people say dark horses, but they don't create a lot of headlines. They just go about their business very quietly. Look out for Italy in this one because they've got something very special during them.
3: Yeah, watch the Italians because they, they literally win the song at the national anthem stage. We win, win the tournament, yeah. win the game, sorry at the National Anthem stage. Did you see how they were belting it out? Did you see the ball boy covering his ears? That was really funny. <laughs> but I, I mean, are we are we over singing Italy's praises here, Craig, Craig Wilkie? Because Turkey was bad, but hey, we're the media. We like building up people and then smashing them down again.
5: We do. Let's do some building up at this early stage of the tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. It's- it does come with that very important caveat, though, as, as you and the guys have mentioned, that Turkey were so, so poor on the night. I, again, I mean, we talked about how, how badly Croatia played, but Turkey were much, much worse than that. And just, I, I really, really struggle to understand how you can turn up for the first game of a major tournament like that. And even just the level of adrenaline that must be running through your body, you would think would produce some sort of greater work rate something than, than what they did. And yes, credit to the Italians for the way that they got on top of the game straight away and never really gave Turkey any way in. But you still expect some reaction, maybe after the first goal or, or something like that, but it, it just never came. Mm. And and I agree, this this was a slightly different Italy that we were watching. There was something in the in the way that they were kind of interchanging that front three. I thought they looked electric. Yeah. The way that their, their movement, their sharpness in the box, those are players in form. Those are players very, very confident. And... They yeah, as as Arvin said, coming off the back of such a great run that they've been on, they go into this tournament just brimming with confidence, and nobody's really going to fancy playing against them. That's the that's the lesson we took out of
3: that game. Yeah, the other two teams in Group A, uh, Wales and Switzerland, fought out a one-one draw. I believe there is a Kiefer Moore statue going up right now in Truro as we speak, Cam I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I forget just how boring football can be. Um, <laughs> I I gave up, (laughs) I really was struggling to sort of like engage myself at all. And and the players themselves. I think Wales looked like probably the worst team at at the tournament so far. I mean, they got got the point. They fought back and everything well done to Wales, but it was so disjointed both sides, really. And um, I gave up the will to live at the 60 minute mark. So I (laughs) I missed the equalizer, which must have been thrilling. My mother's Welsh, by the way, but uh, I support them in rugby, but not in football.
3: Yeah, a quick word about the Swiss mm-hmm. as we go into the break, Arvin. Um They will have seen this one as two points drop because they would be, along with Italy, I guess, pre-tournament favourites to make it out of the group. Through.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and they didn't play for most of the first half. I thought the first half they completely didn't play. But then Bril and Bolo happened, didn't he? Exactly. So Brian Bolo also was, was very 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 little up front. Harry Sarafaric was wasteful. He has been he's yeah, been wasteful for, for for a while right now. But what what they would be so disappointed about right now, Switzerland, is for a team who traditionally is very well structured and is driven quite well, they completely turned off for the goal by Wales when Wales scored. They completely switched off. It was a fastly taken corner, and before you know it, the ball is at the back of the net. So for me, Wales were very very fortunate. Switzerland two points missed. And again, not surprising, Gareth Bale, nowhere to be found. So. <laughs> and
3: did you see Dan James when he was substituted? Dan James played better than Gareth <laughs> You read into that feistiness or, or petulance? I'm up to you. As we go into our first break, stay tuned. Back with more Euro action. Brilliantly timed. Perfect challenge. What about the counter here?
2: Off the ball on BFM 89.9.
3: Did all the hard work. Finish was wide of the post. So elegant with the ball that he's beat. So quick as well. Off the ball on
2: BFM 89.9.
3: Thanks for sticking around. Cam Aslan, Arben Siddu and Craig Wilkie here. Looking back at the weekend's um, Euro action. Of course, three days of action we've seen. And Group B, Denmark versus Finland, was the midnight game here in Malaysia. Um, of course, um, the whole world will know what happened. Christian Eriksson uh, collapsed. We believe it, it was a heart attack during the game. Um, I thought the moment it happened, we saw human resources at its very best applied by absolutely That The ref, within five seconds, got the medics on. Simon Keir, the teammate, stopped Eriksson from swallowing his tongue. And then it followed with fans giving the Finland flag to... to to, to guard to to you know to protect Ericsson, his teammates forming a ring around everything. It was it was more than than football cameras that It was it was all very emotional, all that.
0: It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And um you know Denmark come in as a sort of pre-tournament dark horse favourite. And uh how they how they agreed to carry on with the match afterwards I do not know. I guess they knew at this point that Ericsson was um, awake and alert, had survived. He was actually—I uh, think one of the doctors has just said that he was actually dead, essentially dead. For for um,
3: you could see when CPR time. was was being applied, you could you could literally see his legs going up and down, and and then mm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's modern day television broadcasting, isn't it? Everything we we saw the sobbing Mrs. Erickson. I'm not sure if you couldn't really just cut back to the studio and go, guys, you know. But as it turned out, there was a two-hour wait for people in the stadium. The game did resume. Uh, Denmark players were given the option of continuing the game there and then, tonight, uh, or coming back the next day, I believe, to to complete it. But then they decided to go ahead after speaking uh, via FaceTime with uh, Christian Eriksson. So they were still in no state to play the game, Arvin, and and it should because Finland took advantage, got a narrow 1-0 win, and you can't
4: blame any of the Danish players, really. Uh, it's, it's a really emotional. When I watched it, uh, it, it, it affects anyone who loves the game because you don't want to see that happen to anyone playing what in doing what they love. And then an evening where it's very unfortunate because this was Finland's first ever victory in the Euros. No one, no one will remember that. And, and I don't think so. Finland will feel hard done by it. They, even when they scored, even when Pojapolo scored. He, he kind of celebrated and he realized, okay, there's bigger things for me to focus on yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. show the respect that I need. So that was really good. But I think you summed it up really well. It was a coming together of the football community to, to take care of one of their, their fellow stricken men on, on the day and self into overt tragedy. Uh, Denmark were great right up to the point. Uh, they played well. Um, What well, you could see when they were coming out also when the delayed kickoff, they didn't look like they, they wanted to be part of it. They, they look like, okay, uh, we've spoken, he, he's all right. but It's a difficult a, one, you know? It's, it's a, a, a very difficult Yeah, it's a group game. You have to schedule it in, right? I mean, I can't see how else, really. It's very difficult. And and I, I agree with you. I don't get the way that broadcasters do this. I don't work in broadcasting, but I don't get it. When you have streakers on the field, or you have other people <laughs> doing other you nonsense. You never see those. Why? And exactly. And this was just... Focused at so much at one point, I'm thinking to myself, okay, should we be seeing this? But yeah, uh, really unfortunate. Um, But at the end of the day, Denmark lose, but they're all winners in my eyes, the entire team. Everyone was a winner that day.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, UEFA don't normally get praised, but I've got to say they came out uh, instructions or, or, you know, they they, they communicated the situation. It stopped fake news with social media these days and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, Craig Wilkie, it's it's one of these. Let's hope we never, ever, ever see it again. Let's hope Christian Eriksen makes a really speedy recovery. But unfortunate, man. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I can't see how Denmark could have avoided playing that game when they did. Uh, I don't think 24 hours later would have made much difference. It's just one of those things, right?
5: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It, it was it was such an incredible situation. I, I I'm not sure there's much ad to add to what, what all the guys had just said. It, it, was a, it was a terrifying moment, which became a series of beautiful moments in many respects, in terms of how the his teammates responded, in terms of how the officials, the opposition, the fans, everybody responded to the moment. I agree with you. I, I don't think some of those moments should have been broadcast. I don't think we should have been witness to them. They should have been kept private. Um, and then it was a very difficult situation for everybody. And UEFA UEFA take a lot of stick and sometimes deservedly so, but I don't think they deserve any stick in this situation because uh, what option did they have other than to, to give the option of coming out and, and restarting the game or or playing it the next day? Because if we we'll they yeah. yeah, don't play the next day, yeah, because if don't play the next day, then you've got to come back at some point in order to finish and that just messes up everything in terms of, of people's scheduling and the travelling and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I think it was the right decision to come back out and play, especially given that they knew at that point that that he was doing okay and and let's hope and pray that he's continued in his recovery very well since then and and as you say no surprise really that they came out just kind of shell shocked and you're just i think you're just kind of stumbling around your head's going to be all over the place
3: high bugs actually, penalty as well you're going yeah, oh exactly i
5: mean i mean maybe maybe for a very small amount of time just that the act of being out on the field actually you kind of go into a little bit you know the muscle memory takes over and you're yeah. you will then just be concentrating on the ball and all those things around you but it'd be a very difficult situation for those players. So let's hope that they can actually recover and, yeah. you know, get, get some counselling or whatever they might need in order to prepare prepare for the next game and, and give themselves a fair shot at that. Uh, I yeah. really
0: hope so.
3: Absolutely. Because it, Group B it is, is a tough group. Uh, Cam, sorry.
0: Sorry, I mentioned Casper uh, Schmeichel, uh, the amount of trauma that he has been through in and around yeah. stadiums. Um, I think he's a very resilient young man, but... Um, I mean who knows <laughs> what yeah. no what, I mean how he must be feeling.
3: All all of that Denmark squad, absolute heroes for me and and the Finland squad and the fans they were singing at each other. Finland fans were singing Christian and the Denmark fans Ericsson. and it was all like really heartwarming. <laughs> I went through every single emotion during that broadcast. It was amazing. All right, let's try and move on. Uh, group B, as I said, tough group that Denmark and Finland are in because. Belgium and Russia are also there. Belgium made light work of Russia in Saint Petersburg, no less. Uh, Romelu Lukaku with a brace, dedicating one to to his mate, teammate Christian Eriksen, of course. Um, but I mean, it, there was question mark whether they should go ahead and all that, but it did. It had to in the end. And and then uh, Belgium, uh, early early pre-tournament favourites, um, they
4: look that way, don't they, Arvin? Oh, they do. The Red Devils really laid down the marker. I mean, obviously the first goal was a mistake in defense by Russia. And the one player you don't want the ball to fall to in that situation is Romelo Lukaku right now. He's literally in the form of his life. Forget Karim Benzema forward, forget Robert Lewandowski. I do not foresee any other number nine. That does what Romelu Lukaku does right now. The second one also was a mistake by the goalkeeper. He pushed the ball into Thomas Mounier's path. You, you want to avoid this when you're playing a team like Belgium. And keep in mind, this was a Belgium team that didn't have Kevin De Bruyne. They didn't have Axel Witzel. They, they brought on Eden Hazard much later. So this was a Belgian team that, that was missing some key players. The third goal is, is typical Romelu Lukaku. What he does, he drops the shoulder and he just runs like a bulldozer. and You can't stop him. There's nothing you can do at that point. And he's, he's perfected his finishing right now. So, you might as well just say he's going to score right now. The only blip for them was probably Timothy Castagna getting injured. And I heard he's out for the tournament. He's got yeah. two facial injuries. So, that's yeah. been unfortunate. Uh, but then Thomas Munich comes in and does so well also. So, yeah, they, I think the Red Devils have really laid down the marker with this one. And like what I said in previous shows, they've been in tournaments where they've made it to, to quarterfinals uh, successively. It's that step right now, of making it to the semis. The moment that they make it to the semis, it's any chance that they could just win it at the final. Because I honestly believe in these tournaments, most of these tournaments are won at the semi final stage. So they'll be targeting that. And on that performance, they'll get there to the semis, in my opinion. That, that, that's why, for me, there's a certain
3: level feelness about this whole Euro tournament. We're going to talk about the Scots and all that later. But Belgium, for you, Craig. Pre, pre-tournament favourites, along with the likes of, of France, Portugal, that'd be right, right?
5: It, it was right before the tournament, and it's absolutely right after watching that performance. And it, they've got a little bit of everything. That's, that's what would give you such hope and confidence as a Belgian fan. And when they go forward, they just look like they have so many options. you know. And those um, Martinez has got those players playing in a system that they, they seem to enjoy, that everybody seems to trust. And as Arvin was mentioning, you, you play as well as that without Kevin De Bruyne on your team. And I, I personally believe that Kevin De Bruyne is on form the best player in the world right now. Yeah. I think he's or the most influential player in the world, yeah. let's put it that way. I think what he's done over the last maybe one or two seasons puts him right up there. And so if you've got a player like that still to come in and add to your team... Then, then there's a lot for other, other teams and opponents to think about. What I will say, though, is they weren't tested at all defensively by the Russians, who yeah. put up a, a, very, a very poor showing. Again, a few teams that we've mentioned that about. And that is the one area of the team that I look at and you think they are there to be got at. There's not a lot of pace necessarily in that defense. I think if you, if you can get them turned, you will create chances against them. So maybe in the later stages, it's going to be a little bit of going out and trying to score more than the opposition. And they're capable of doing that. But they will be slightly vulnerable at the back, I feel.
3: Yep. 26,264 people in that stadium Silenced Professional job from Roberto Martinez's boys Right, we're going for uh, our second break You stay tuned More Euro stuff after this
1: You're Halfway through the first half They get their noses in front A little bit of fortune about the goal
2: Off the ball on BFM 89.9
3: could be inside the penalty area, brought down, was he? Referee says penalty. He'd his man.
2: Off the ball on BFM 89.9.
3: Hey, thanks for sticking around. Cam Roslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu joining me to look back on the last three days of Euro action. If you've just joined us, you know you can catch up with podcasts. On uh, BFM.my or the BFM app or through Spotify, iTunes, whatever takes your fancy. Or check out our Facebook uh, page, BFM Football. There you go. Enough plugging for that. Uh, Let's go on and talk about the action then. Uh, Group C action. Um, Actually, Craig Wilkie tweeted about it saying, you don't have to be a hero. You don't need to stay up and watch Austria, North Macedonia. (laughs) insulting uh, both the Austrians, the North Macedonians and Malaysian football fans because somebody replied, we're not Pyongyang. This is Kuala Lumpur, Craig, (laughs) which I thought was super funny. But Austria 3, North Macedonia 1. I, I, I actually cheered out loud watching it uh, out of bed uh, when Goran Pandev scored the equaliser for North Macedonia. 37. Uh, there's pictures of Goran Pendev from 20 years ago when he played against England, and it was David Beckham he was jumping up against for a header. <laughs> it, it begs his belief, but Cam line. did you see the romantic side of this game?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, we had uh, Bellingham coming on. Bellingham is what? Half less than half to you 17 and the other end we got 37 i actually i actually um i think that austria could be the dark horse outsider um i thought they played pretty well the first goal was just amazing the goal of the tournament so far i love pass
3: to Grigoric that well do check it out wow a wow moment and, 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 a, and
0: a good but a good yeah. sign for Austria, I mean, I guess it always happens, is Arnautovic scored and he was very angry. <laughs> and he's, I don't know what he was angry about, but he's always at he his best my when he's really angry.
3: He, he's like, uh, dare I say it, he's like a mockdown Zlatan, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were good. And, and Craig, you, we were saying about that, that Alaba assist, playing a left footer on that left-hand side. What do you know, eh? Yeah, indeed. Well, well, let me just put the
5: record straight, first of all, for the <laughs> for, for my observation on the game, which which was more really just uh, trying to do a bit of public service work for helping people survive. What is a long tournament? You know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. But let me take this opportunity to apologize to the good people of both Austria and North Macedonia and, and for, the, for their teams who served up a really, really good game for us to watch. So I, I really hope that everybody ignored my advice and enjoyed that game, because there was not only the romance of it, as you rightly say, in terms of you know, sides making their debuts and, and so on, but just, just some really, really good, good play and some really good goals as well. And uh, hard to say in terms of those two teams, I mean, I think one of the things that we've seen is the, the expansion of this tournament has been great in, in many respects, because we do have new entrants, we do have new stories, we do have new uh, players and teams to talk about. But it does mean that there are going to be some mismatches. We've already seen that in, in the tournament. And I think there will be some of the bigger sides will enjoy a few easier games, let's say, over the group stages as a consequence of the fact that there are more teams in it. But especially given that Scotland have qualified, I'm all for more teams being in it. So I take back everything I said, watch every game that you can, <laughs> and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll catch up on sleep in the, the week that we have between that and the new, the new domestic season starting.
3: Good save, Mr. Wilkie. Good save. Uh, just to add on to what Cam said about Jude Bellingham, I believe when Jude Bellingham was born, Goran Pendeff had already played in two international tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that's the age gap there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they I mean Austria, uh, arvin Sedu. I mean, you look at a lot of their players, you got you got your Sabitzas your your know, they're all playing at a good level in the Bundesliga. If you follow that, you'll know they play for very good sides as well. And there there could be a dark horse, the Austrians.
4: Yeah, um, I mean, David Alaba is heads heads and shoulders above the rest of them. And it is so much comfort that they have in him that they play him in defence. But the moment he gets into that attacking positions, he's able to add and influence the play so much. So David Alaba for me is heads and shoulders above the rest of them. But then when you look at the supporting cast, Marcel Sabitzer, yes, we talk a lot about Alaba's pass. What about Sabitzer's pass for the first goal? That that drill cross which, which Lennon scored. I mean, and Sabitzer is someone who He's not going to resign with RB Leipzig. He's worth less than 20 million because he's got less than one year in his deal. I would think he's someone that a lot of premier teams could use in that an Arsenal could use him. Uh, a, a Liverpool potentially could use him as because he's a quality, quality player. But Arnautovic is just a madman. I, I don't get what... I mean, he's got <laughs> he's a typical Arnautovic goal, but I don't get... There was some talk that Alioski was riling him up so he was kind of Giving it back to Alioski from North Macedonia, which potentially could have happened, but it came to a point that his own captain Alaba had to come and tell him, "You know, calm yourself down. No more words out of you." And then he, <laughs> then he calmed himself down. So yeah, another which is just, it's just, just a loose cannon on his day itself, but. I enjoyed North Macedonia. Tournament debutants, they were encouraging, they went for it. And and it was a nice story to see all those players that they had and uh, Alioski and and, and their goal was a bit fortunate because kind of deflected and then Alaba the keeper had a bit of miscom. But it's nice. It's nice to have these stories. And for me, best jersey of the tournament Definitely not That's a thing for me. What a <laughs> The home one, the red, you're talking about the red one. The red and the one, red yeah, one. Yeah? yes, yeah. yes, yes.
3: Okay, I might agree with you there, actually. Uh, certainly didn't like the Austrian peppermint effort or whatever, <laughs> that, that color turquoise shorts or whatever. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, the other two teams in Group C, uh, Netherlands, Ukraine. If you actually stayed and watched the entire game, you would have been rewarded in the second half it was nil-nil in the first half. Then the Netherlands went two up. And the Netherlands, especially modern Netherlands, as they do, then conceded two. It was 2-2 Ukraine. And then Denzel Dumfries popped up very late to win it for the RNG, uh, Craig Wilkie. Um, they're very much rebuilding the Dutch. Um, they used to be a force for, for, sl- for us slightly older folk. But... Um, do, do you see anything in this current Ronald De Boer side? Well, we, we saw
5: bits of both sides of, of what Ronald De Boer's rebuilding there. I mean, there were some things definitely to encourage. I, I thought they started really well. And actually, although they weren't ahead at halftime, they, they dominated that first half. And yeah. then when they did get ahead, um, I, Wijnaldum, I, what a player he is. And I, I don't think we've necessarily appreciated what a loss he's going to be for Liverpool. It's a Free bit of a signing mistake. for
3: PSG next season. Yeah, wow. exactly.
5: I think I think they've got a really good bit of business there, and he showed everything that he has. You know that that work rate that he has, his ability to get around the field. He's got a lot of quality on the ball as well. It was a really composed finish. You know, um, it was you would expect him to score, but there was still a bit to do when the ball broke to him. So, I think a lot in terms of how the Dutch went ahead and then how they built on that, that would have been an impressive for the Dutch fans. But then. This is what's going to count against them is that lack of concentration. They should never let Ukraine back into the game in the way they did, albeit with a couple of very, very good goals. I mean, the yeah. Yarmolenko one is just a magnificent finish from from so far out, and the the delivery and the free kick for the header then for the equalizer was was really well flighted too. But you know they should have been seeing the game out, closing it down by that stage and giving themselves a comfortable win. Whereas they had to then go and do it all again, and they came up with a winner, but. It just shows they're going to be slightly erratic. I think they'll be good to watch. But if they come up against one of the really fancied sides, then I'm not sure they've got quite enough
0: yet
3: to get past one of them. Cam, do you fancy the Dutch, the new Dutch?
0: Um, no. A uh, couple of reasons. One is the second goal they let in was on a set piece where only one Ukrainian player went for the ball and he got the header. And he was surrounded by about seven Dutch players who didn't <laughs> do a damn thing. That's a set piece. The other is uh, Memphis Depay, captain captain what he, he's Manchester bad Pye. boy
3: tamed now he's literally there icon like now
0: and the finally man. i would i would say that co- they're going to be a covid casualty dare i say because they this dutch team are going to be stuck together in a bubble for like a month there is no way the dutch will be able to not kill each other um over a whole month they always implode which, and, which is why the dutch are always the great team to watch
3: maybe it is the new young Holland side. I mean that the old heads there seem to be decent sensible all heads. I'm thinking Danny Blinn, Daly Blinn and all that. Um, Danny Blind, that's a really old head <laughs> um, uh, uh, But the Ukraine can take something out of this alvin they, they, you know they'll look at the other teams in
4: the group and and they might fancy it. Good. And they would have taken a lot of away from, from that comeback. I mean, exactly. yes, the Dutch allowed them back in, but before this, the only player that's ever scored in Euros for Ukraine was their manager, Andrei Shovchhenko. Now they've got yeah. different they've got different scorers right now. So you've got Yamalenko, that goal is so so Arjun Robin-esque, isn't it? The way that he kind of curled it on his left into the into the corner. Um, so yeah, I mean they'll they'll take a lot of they'll take away a lot from this. I think they, they would have felt really hard done by to to throw it away that they did, because when Dumfries scored, they could have cleared the ball much better than they did, and yeah. that, that and to have Danzel Dumfries score his first international goal on a header, uh, a right wing back to score a header. You try to think to yourself, okay, we could have done a little bit better with that, and you could see Zinchenko just look like, oh god, we threw this away when we had a, we had such a good opportunity. But I agree with you, the Dutch will struggle when they come up against better opposition. There's been a lot of talk about. Uh, Frank Deboe in the formation, he said, I'm only playing 3-5-2. They had to fly a plane over him and say, go back to, to Cry 4-3-3. He's still saying, no, I'm playing my 3-5-2. They, they will struggle against big, bigger squads, but they've still got some pretty decent talent there. So
3: Yeah, for, for Denzel Dumfries, literally, Roy of the Rovers stuff. Roy of the Rovers stuff. All right, final break. We're going to come back and talk about the Scots. Stay tuned.
2: How about this for a stop? Off the ball on BFM 89.9.
3: Sensational stop! Telepathy between the two. The shot was good. Just did not have the dip.
2: Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back.
3: Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu. Looking forward to some of the action you can get. Um, Big game tonight, 9pm. The other two teams in Group D, England's group, along with Croatia, of course. Scotland and the Czech Republic go head-to-head. It's been 23 years since the since the Scots played in a football tournament, Craig Wilkie. I remember Archie Gemmel. Gemmel, what a goal that was against the <laughs> Netherlands. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a new breed Scotland. Andy Robertson is the captain. If anything, they're left-back left heavy <laughs> compared to England, um, the Scots. Now, I mean, you've seen both England and, and Croatia in action. Speaking with a Scottish cap on now, you must be quietly confident.
5: Well, I, I don't know what we are. Uh, 23 years, as you mentioned, has been a very long time, about the same length of time since I cut my hair. and uh, <laughs> MCO length. Are, exactly. We're still in lockdown with that. And... As we approach kickoff in this huge game for the nation, I, there's that wonderful mixture of great excitement and a lot of nerves and just not really knowing how those players are going to respond to that occasion. They're at home, of course, they're going to be playing at Hampden in Glasgow. There will be fans present there too, which is not something they've experienced in the, the more recent games that they've had in, in qualifying and the friendlies and, and all of that. So hopefully that will give them a lift. Who knows, we might play Robertson at right back, the way things are going in, in this tournament. Um, but but I think the players that you mentioned, you know Robertson, Tierney, McGinn, McTominay, these are guys who have come off a very good season, playing at a very high level, playing consistently, and that's why we should go into to this tournament and into this group with with a bit of hope and a bit of confidence. And Stevie Clark's a very canny manager, you know. He's he's one of those guys that doesn't get too carried away. You know, you won't see him getting overexcited if we win. You won't see him getting too despondent if. If things are not going our way at any stage, so there's a lot of trust in him. He's quite cautious. I don't. I, I would love to see Billy Gilmore start. I think he has. He's got that little bit of stardust, something a bit different. I don't think Clark will for this first game. I think he'll be kept on the bench, maybe to be brought on later. It will be the tried huge, and tested.
3: You know it. It will, I know it
5: will it. be. The, it, yeah. it will be the tried and tested, and and it's it's a huge game in the context of the group, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure I, I would wish that that was our first game in all honesty. I'd probably rather play England or Croatia first, but. This is the way it's turned out. And actually, interesting question. Why was that game not played last night in, in yeah. respect of the other, other group games, right? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of an advantage conferred on England. I, I do, not wanting to insult any other nations is the way I'm going this week. But <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm
3: gonna to try and talk up for UEFA here. Uh, they they, they kind of make it fair because both have one early kickoff. So all four teams are involved in, in an early kickoff, afternoon kickoff. That's the only you know, fairness but, I can think about it. But, but I mean... I mean, the, the other
5: games are later ones. Right? You would expect to, like Scotland's game to have been last night on the same day as England, obviously. Yeah. late. That's, that's the only thing. But, you know, let's, it's just such a wonderful thing to, to be there, to have that interest in a major tournament that, that we're going to go out and, and represent the country. And just let's hope that they do themselves justice. And, and they should. You know, I think if you look at those teams on paper... There's a few good players in that Czech squad, no doubt. Especially Suchek, I would say, is the danger man. But if you look at it one to eleven, I would say Scotland have a better side, and they've beaten them in the last few games. So let's hope we get another victory tonight.
3: Yeah, um, actually, Steve Clark, canny Steve Clark, has figured out a way of, of shoehorning both Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson. I think Tierney plays as like an attacking centre back, normally in a back three. And then yep. Robertson, no problem in his usual position. So they're really strong. And Tierney does attack. Do do you fancy Scotland here, or, or do you think do you think it's a false dawn, Cameron? Like, Don't worry, Craig's not listening.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, I, they got they got a couple of. I mean, they got they're playing at Hampden Park. That's a big advantage. Twelve
3: thousand fans. You can imagine that. It's going to yeah. sound like eighty thousand.
0: Also, the top three are going to get through in most of the. Uh, the, the yeah four the of the best league.
3: finishes so yeah yeah yeah
0: and i think that that favors then if there's one team that's a clear out and out winner that wins all the way and then the others can fight it out uh i think that's that's an advantage as well i'm pretty i'm really looking forward to this i'm probably gonna go at least to the hour mark before i switch off and, and miss <laughs> out on scotland's heroic fight back um and i would like to know from craig wilkie what rod stewart song will you play in <laughs> celebration if they win the tournament
5: Oh, the whole medley. Proclaimers, Rod Stewart, everybody who's ever had a Scottish granny who sung a song, they'll all be on. It's got to be We
3: Are Sailing, right? And it all arms <laughs> up, the light is on and everything.
5: Well, you, usually it's We Are Failing, so it
3: we'll it will take We Are Sailing. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, Arvind Sidhu, um, I know I know you you quite fancy the Czechs because they, they've got a pretty good side. Um, Suchek, uh, Kufal, or Sufal, Um, But I mean, they're hardworking. They haven't had the best friendly results in the run up to the tournament. So I mean, Scotland, I think rightly can be confident going into this one, but you never know the Czech Republic could be like an Austria or something
4: you never know. I mean, the Czech, I mean, all due respect to Scotland and their history, but the Czech has, has traditionally been a, a bigger nation when it comes to football. Uh, right now, I, I honestly believe Scotland has got things more sorted out than the Czechs. The Czechs were kind of up and down. They lost They lost to Italy 4-0, but then they kind of went and beat Albania 3-1. A lot of people talk about the West Ham boys, but they've still got Thomas Kalas at the back, at the centre-back. They've got Patrick Schick who can get a goal or two. At the end of the day, when I look at these two squads, I still feel that technically... The Czechs are more talented than what the Scottish bring, but the Scottish bring a lot of, a lot of fight, a lot of grit, a lot of organization, and when you have that kind of a scenario, they would be looking at the England-Croatia and Croatia game and saying, a win here really puts us in a potential to move up. I mean, it will put pressure on Croatia right there. So for me, it's it's sorry, sorry, Craig, but I just see this being a draw. To be very honest, I I, I struggle to see anyone coming out of a victory for yeah, this. She- but don't discount, yeah. yeah, don't discount the Czechs.
3: It wouldn't be the worst result, a draw. But
4: uh, yeah, a Scotland win would make England
3: Scotland so big on Friday. <laughs> oh man, that would be superb! Um, all right, your chance to also see um, one of the tournament favorites, Spain, in action Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday, Group E gets on the way. Poland against Slovakia is midnight Tuesday. Spain against Sweden is three AM. And then on Wednesday morning, Hungary versus Portugal, Group F is the group of death. The game of the group stages of any group stages at any given time in any football tournament. Have I built it up big enough? Um, France versus Germany. Phew. Wednesday, 3 a.m. It's a big, 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 big game. Um, we're not going to even begin to preview those. Those are too far away. We'll talk about those on Friday. But there is a big game. Another big, 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 big game coming up. Thailand against Malaysia in the Asian World Cup qualifiers. Um, As it stands at the moment, Thailand are third in Group G. Malaysia, group, uh, just goal difference separating the sides in fourth. A win would push Malaysia up to third and give them one leg into the Asian Cup in 2023. They would uh forego one round of qualifiers i believe so that's big that's progress um the, the world cup qualifiers is out the window now but um arvin looking at this one do you fancy it what can tango do different you think uh, will it be the same squad and plus also so many questions for you to answer a lot of hoo-ha about naturalized players huh
4: yeah, there is. I mean, I mean, in the last game, I mean, De Paula, I, I was reading the amount of comments that were made about how he wasn't putting a, he wasn't putting a shift in. There was a real big concern for them. Uh, if they, the, 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 my concern from, from Malaysia is that they, uh, from what I was reading, they've lost all their four fixtures in 2021 so far, right? Uh, they, they did well in 2019. They did not play at all last year because of obviously in COVID. And when you're in that kind of run of form, the longer it goes and the fact that games are spread out further the harder it is to turn it around. So for me, that's going to be their concern. Um, but again, when the starting line what do you look at? You look at Zafuan being there. You look at Brendan Gunn being there. The last game was really unfortunate with the penalty decision. Let's not even get there. Uh, but Thailand, I mean, they've always been traditionally quite well off. Um, they showed early They showed early in Group C before their performances started slightly dropping off, if I'm not mistaken. So they still got show signs that they've got promise. So I think Malaysia's got to be a bit careful about this. But the the naturalised players kind of they kind of need to pull their weight a little bit based on what happened the last game, I feel. Kind yeah, of I, save I, themselves from I, the fans throughout. I, mm. I just want to
3: point this out about the natural all the talk about naturalised players. For me, look, if one of your parents is Malaysian, you're Malaysian, right? And that's the majority of those players. I'm, I'm talking about your Brendan Garns, your Dion Cools. All those have a Malaysian parent. The only three totally imported people are Liridon in midfield, um, De Paula up front, and Sumare. Now, I, I know Sumare since the time when he was literally a little sprog 10, 11, 12. He's grown up in Malaysia. He's went schooling here. He speaks perfect Bahasa Malaysia. So that's what I have to say about naturalized players. Come on, Malaysia. Cam, can we win? Can we win, Cam?
0: Um, I, I, when was the last time I, I saw a Malaysian victory? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. 2019. That's
4: 2019. Yeah, All
0: right. I I watched a fair bit of the the Vietnam match, and that was uh, it was very sad. Um,
3: yeah, uh, I don't know VAR. I need uh, we need VAR. All right, enough about that. Uh, just a quick word about Copa America, uh, which is also going on. Kicked off on Sunday. Um, it's it's a sad Copa. It was originally supposed to have taken place um, in Argentina uh, and and Colombia. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in Colombia. And then they got taken away because of the current COVID situation. It's gone to Brazil, where the COVID situation isn't much better. But uh, anyway, it's going ahead. Uh, Brazil are in Group B. They kicked off the tournament with a 3-0 win over Venezuela. What I find most astounding about this game is I was looking at the stats, Craig Wilkie. Fred of Manchester United played 85 minutes. He played 85 minutes and Brazil won (laughs) 3-0. Fred of Manchester United.
5: <laughs> what what is it that you find surprising about that?
1: <laughs> Fred. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, well, it's as you mentioned, it's it's one of those tournaments that uh, it's it maybe a little bit hard to get excited about right now. And I think one of the great things about the Euros is the return of the fans and what a difference that's made yeah. just to uh, the atmosphere and the, the enjoyment of watching those games. And then when you switch over and, and you see what's happening in Brazil was still the empty stadiums. And it, there's just so much lacking when, when those fans are not there. And you get the impression that with it being moved at such a last minute that nobody really wants the tournament. Nobody wants to host it. I'm not sure that those players really want to be out there. there playing, some of them. And credit to Brazil, who actually put on a good performance. And Neymar was absolutely sublime yeah. with that game. He just just dominated the show completely. Everything good that happened went through him, showed that what a – Really outstanding footballer he is. And they probably look like the, the best of, of those teams right now. I, we're still very early stages, so we don't know how Argentina are going to be and so on. But um, I think it's going to be very, very much overshadowed by the Euros going on at the same
3: time. Yeah, very unfortunate. It shouldn't really be on. But i, I got to say that 12 of Venezuela's players and coaching staff Tested positive for COVID-19 a day before the game. So what? they went to say they went and depleted is a bit of an understatement. Uh, another Group B game also happened. Colombia beat Ecuador 1-0. Uh, Argentina are in action at 5 a.m. Tuesday morning. If you can really stay up after the Euros. I salute you. <laughs> it's a 5 a.m. Every game,
5: game. That's the deal now. You know all night. I mean?
3: <laughs> Literally no sleep because Paraguay, Bolivia is Tuesday at 8 a.m. That in a nutshell is your Copa America. Sorry, you can't spend more time on it, but as it goes deeper into the tournament, there'll be more talking points. We will cover it more for now. I've got to say thanks to the guys. So thanks, Cam Raslan.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the big one tonight. Yeah, good luck with Scotland tonight. I, I'm a hundred percent for a Scotland win. Come on, you yeah, Scots! And uh, thank you. Good night, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week ahead. Yeah, have a great week. I'll speak to you guys on Friday. Bye now.
2: Off the ball every Monday at eight PM on BFM eighty nine point nine.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast.